Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into holiday shipping and consumer expectations around shipping. To discuss this, I'm joined by Krish Ayer, and I'm looking forward to the conversation as he is the head of industry relations and strategic partnerships at ShipStation. And you have had a long history of just being in some incredible companies. So I'm really excited to talk about just your knowledge of long-term relationships between e-commerce merchants and e-commerce marketplaces. You're a respected expert in the cross-border and marketplace e-commerce industry. And you're often quoted in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, Yahoo, Bloomberg, and the New York Times, and I'm sure others as well. And you're an industry leader with over 20 years of experience with perspectives from FedEx, Pitney Bowes, Neopost, and now at ShipStation. So in addition to all of the incredible background that you have, you also find time to serve as the vice president of the Package Shippers Association, or PSA, which serves as the voice of the package shipping industry. Welcome, Krish. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate that uh, intro. Yes, to answer the question on your mind, I did start when I was five. (laughs) Wonderful. I I like to say now whenever I'm being introduced in any area that I have two decades of experience. I try not to put that number out there anymore for people make them think about the math of it. So it's incredible how far we've come in that time. And I really think that it's incredible just the impact e-commerce has had, not even in the past year with the pandemic and the sudden surge of additional companies moving into the e-commerce space, but also just the way that the internet has changed so many different industries and shipping being one of them. And so I really want to just talk through that today. And and as we look at just what happened last year in 2020, we're over halfway through 2021 now. I can't believe it's August already. And as we are looking at the holiday season coming up, most e-commerce companies start usually in July preparing for their holiday season. We really want to just understand some consumer expectations around just the shipping experience. How do we manage expectations? How does a retailer, e-commerce retailer, manage expectations for their customers in the holiday season, specifically regarding shipping? And just looking at different ways that the spend in shipping is trending. And then also just what the aspect of how we bolstered a local economy with the support that happened last year and what did that do from a shipping perspective that may have just changed for you know small to medium-sized retailers? Sure, sure. Uh, definitely a lot of thoughts there. Let me answer the part about the small to medium and local feel uh, first here. What was interesting during the pandemic that we saw was that consumers really wanted to give a lift, give a hand to that small to medium enterprise that was local. So you would even find listings on major marketplaces that would talk about where that merchant is based and that they're a local business, all to play up part of that local feel and and that esprit de corps that we had to kind of help each other out during the pandemic. And that's still true, but it also translated into the idea of options like curbside pickup, curbside returns, uh, which I believe will be a thing, Mm -hmm. and the idea of that local delivery experience. So I think the small to medium merchant certainly had kind of an interesting time during the pandemic of playing up the roots. And I think that's a trend to stay. So that's number one. Number two, on shipping options and costs, we have seen fees and surcharges around peak delivery here to stay. If you notice, it used to say temporary peak surcharge. Mm-hmm. That word temporary seems to have disappeared magically. 
And so definitely things like discounted rates, having a surcharge, things like that have been a real challenge, particularly for merchants that use a drop-off or something along those lines for a retail network if they were doing things infrequently. Fortunately for us, ShipStation and the Octane brands, which include ShipWorks, Shipping Easy, you know, ShipStation, the idea was we already had some pre-baked rates into our platform with UPS, with Postal, with some other carriers. Luckily, those brands had options with us. Certainly, you know, some other companies in space did the same. Luckily, it turned out to be a real saving grace. However, it doesn't answer the question of carrier availability. And we see a lot of retailers funding a cold shoulder from the carriers that either find them unprofitable or they don't want to do pickups. So definitely mixing a software experience, like I said, print out from home or wherever the business is, and then potentially utilizing a drop-off network, you know, has definitely been an interesting hybrid that we've, we've seen quite a bit of. So definitely a lot of interesting trends to come. I think it's opened the door for a lot of newer players, regional parcel carriers who have, who have been around for a while, but we're hearing a lot more about them and, and new players in the space who are definitely definitely taking advantage of the limited capacity that the other carriers have with the explosion in e-commerce. So it'll be interesting to see once consumers get used to some of those other new options and carriers, what they do about them in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that local delivery and the, the whole change that I think last year really brought to us with the pandemic of just buy online, pick up in store. And, you know, as you mentioned, I firmly believe the curbside return is going to be an incredible addition to the local retail aspect. But definitely, I, I know I personally, and I've talked about it on the show in the past as well, looked during last year in 2020 and still now in 2021 to that mental shift of local support and looking to support local businesses where typically I would have gone to the Amazons of the world and, and just order directly from there. It's the ease of carrying it in my pocket. But then it really kind of brought a new light to it, which was nice to just be that local community support. When we look at that, though, and as a local store, and I would even say some of the bigger retailers are looking at this as well. I know Best Buy has been exploring this as well, of converting more of their retail spaces or shrinking them down in size in order to use them more as additional distribution centers with local deliveries. I think that's an incredible shift that last year has brought into the space, and that now impacts, as you mentioned, those regional delivery providers and what they can now start looking to partner with companies with versus the big boys in the companies of FedEx and UPS, et cetera. When we look at all of that, though, and I want to take a step back here, ShipStation, as you briefly mentioned, but just give our listeners a little bit more background, is just one piece of the software pie that you have. And so can you explain a little bit more what it serves and what it provides for the retailers and organizations that use it? Sure. To describe the pieces of our pie, we are owned by Stamps.com, and Stamps.com has been a platform typically for especially small to medium enterprises and platforms that want to power themselves with postal options traditionally over the years. And then for multi-carrier and multi-channel, we've typically had ShipStation, Shipping Easy, and then ShipWorks, which tends to, to cater to more of a warehouse shipper. So, you know, definitely a lot of different, different options that have been out there. ShipStation, though, we range from very small merchants all the way up to very large tier one enterprise brands. So it really does run the gamut as far as the customer experience. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And as we just think about just the way that ShipStation is impacting these businesses, 
We've seen that, I'm going to pull some stats here from a research paper study that has been done by ShipStation, 70% are willing to pay slightly higher prices for products in order to support small businesses, like we're talking about local support, and 55% are saying that they are willing to pay for shipping to support those small local or independent retailers as well. So I think it's just a big shift from where it was to now where people's mindsets are at. Like I talked about myself and my experience, a local bookstore in our small town, we love supporting and we are buying all of our kids summer math workbooks. Yes, I do that to my children. And uh, my wife's a former teacher, so you know all credit goes to her. But it's important that we started looking at it of, well, what other things should we look to support locally? What else are we buying usually just for convenience through an online retailer when can we support a local store? And if they haven't put online up since last year, most of them at least did some sort of it, or we can call them and place that order. And it was interesting to see that shift of convenience for community support that really came through. Overall, though, when we look at this, I go always back to experience. And the shipping experience is one that last year really shifted for me with a lot of the brands that I really truly loved buying from, where they weren't transparent, they weren't honest. I talked about this in a past episode as well, where I went and I placed an order. The communication and the messaging throughout the process all made it appear that it would ship within normal time. And then I kept getting update, delay, update, delay, update, delay. And it really frustrated me to the point where I went and found it from someone else and canceled that order because they just didn't have the inventory. And I know logistically things got messed up last year, but what are the shipping expectations and experiences that you guide organizations through or you see in the industry as needing to be focused on? And I want to kind of bring it back to the holiday theme of as we approach the holidays, there's a lot of expectation, a lot of last minute delivery timeframes that you can get. And what are some experiences that you would recommend people are focused on? Making sure. sure are there. Absolutely. I think it goes to the cliche of communication, communication, communication. But now it's more important than ever. A lot of times retailers didn't communicate the lead times either because they were afraid or because they didn't know. And neither one of them are a good excuse anymore. You have to communicate it in the listing and in the cart, post cart, and even after that. Let me give you a personal experience. So you mentioned your wife being a teacher. My, mine is too. Um, we're at the point in our marriage that for her our anniversary, this past January, my anniversary and my mother's birthday are fairly close together. So my wife said, okay, I want hexclad. Uh, they're, they're the pots and pans. Mm -hmm. So again, that's where I'm at in my marriage right now <laughs> is pots and pans equals romance. And so in the case of hexclad, they're a Shopify merchant. I ordered from them and immediately got a notification, you know, a ship notification and the little map that comes in the Shopify checkout, mm -hmm. very professional, got notifications all along the way, and it came in a very timely manner. Okay. The same day I ordered my mother's birthday present from a well-known tier one traditional brick and mortar retailer for home goods that has a lot of retail stores and online presence. So... That was the same day. I received my Hexclad order, a much smaller brand, within three, five, six days, something like that. I communicated all along the way through the Shopify checkout. That's one. However, this other tier one brand that shall go nameless, I ordered from, and keep in mind this is about three weeks before my mother's birthday, and by the time my mother's birthday rolls around, no present. So I called them and they say, oh, our warehouse has been backed up. It's been delayed. It's scheduled to dispatch by X date, you know, about five mm -hmm. days later. 
So five days rolls around. I call them again. They say, oh, you know, we don't we don't have visibility into our warehouse. So they say they're going to ship it out by this date, but we can't control that. Okay, that's a terrible thing to tell a consumer Mm -hmm. is you don't know when it's going to ship out and you have no control. Those are literally the two Mm -hmm. worst phrases you could use. So I let it go for another week. So keep in mind, this is now almost a month and a half since Mm -hmm. placing the order. Mother doesn't have her birthday present. No one's happy. So I finally canceled the order. And even then, I had a fair amount of friction in canceling it and getting a refund. Long story short, the lack of communication, the lack of empathy, um, and the lack of the retailer having visibility into it and not even be able to cancel, I'll, I'll obviously never order from them again mm-hmm. without question. Yeah. And so that, to me, really speaks to the points that we're talking about here. Can you communicate? Do you have the right tools? Do you have the empathy of where is my order and wanting to use that as a tool for retainment? I have now gone back to Hexclad and ordered from them a couple other times because that experience was so good. Mm -hmm. And it didn't get there in two days. It might have taken, if I remember correctly, about five. But I got communicated with all along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, And I liked that. Yeah. And it's just like a basic courtesy, yet remarkably so few retailers do that. Mm-hmm. It is remarkable that so few do that. And I think of just the, you mentioned just the, the little map on the Shopify checkout experience. There's a lot of other commerce solutions that provide similar just experiences that you can inform people of through that slight information. And I call them the MVPs, right? The most valuable pages. And that order confirmation page is one of them. Mm -hmm. What happens next? Tell me the story of what's going to happen and let me know. Make sure your email drip that comes in about, hey, here's your order confirmation and email. Here's this. Or if you chose to sign up for SMS text messaging, it helps you understand it and look at what's coming and what's happening. And as you mentioned, I think everyone got into a situation pre-pandemic of, Oh, the Amazon two-day shipping with Prime and all that expectation. But once people actually had to wait a little bit longer, it was okay. As long as you were communicated to, though, mm-hmm. to your point. And that's where I think some got it right last year, especially the ones that had to add e-commerce. A lot of them went with solutions that quickly got them up to speed. And then this year, they're really refining after they rushed to get e-commerce up and running. But with the shipping side of things, something I'm curious about with all this, when I look at that, The messaging is absolutely one of the first things in the experience. What about the speed of shipping? We briefly touched on that, but the shipping rates and the cost, are you seeing through ShipStation and just consumers' experiences yourselves of the need for multiple shipping options? And how big of an impact does that provide? Absolutely. It boils down to then, what is the customer's need and what's the delivery objective? I'll give a personal experience that I had somebody sending me something from from Austin that I needed to get before I came to Chicago. And they could have chosen ground. And although the service guarantee would have likely given it to me at the right time, the peace of mind for me as the recipient was, you know what, go on ahead and use our two-day service, even though it's more expensive, because I need that peace of mind. So that applies to the consumer as well. What is the delivery need and objective based on the importance of the product? Just saying two-day delivery and then maybe it rolls into three or four, most of us, depending on what it is, would say, yeah, it's okay. But for example, 
my nephew's birthday was this past weekend, and I had sent him, you know, uh, a couple of bottles of wine. Yes, he is of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and the delivery rolled over into Monday. Well, the problem with Monday is, A, it didn't meet the delivery need of the birthday, which was Saturday. So it should have been delivered Friday. But the additional problem is there was nobody home to sign. So, again, that speaks to the use case of the importance of the product importance of the delivery objective, and what does the consumer in that case absolutely need? And unfortunately, too many retailers treat that as a one-size-fits-all, mm-hmm. that we generally think we order something, two-day delivery, eh, if it gets there in three or four, we're probably not that upset. If you're anything like me, I have so many Prime packages delivered that I don't actually remember or know when I place them, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't know the difference if somebody stole them off my front porch, as porch pirates are wont to do. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I would say that delivery objective and need is really, really critical. One other point I'd like to make, Tim, you know, you mentioned two-day, you mentioned fulfillment a little bit. We found for years that brands were very scared of 3PL, fulfillment done by a third party, Mm -hmm. a third-party logistics company. And generally, it was always thought of as only the tier one premium brands. But we've seen a real massive shift with COVID that retailers of all size, including medium-sized merchants, will invest in a 3PL. But for years, the trend was the number one criteria to select a fulfillment provider was, drumroll, proximity. Ooh, yes. Proximity, meaning you want someone that's down the street, you want to throw it to choke. Um, But in reality, people would say, oh, because I want to be close to my product, you know, if something goes wrong. And then in reality, never, ever visit the warehouse. Mm -hmm. That was the number one criteria. And the number one way to do that was either ask, you know, word of mouth or Google search or other people in the industry. But we're now seeing that we'll trust brands like ShipStation as a proxy for the trust aspect there to say, hey, can you make a recommendation? I need to get my product closer to my end consumer to achieve one or two day delivery, especially in light of shipping delays, could I get a limited set of my pants or shirts Mm -hmm. or whatever the inventory is so that I can get within two days of that consumer, even if it's just a small quantity of it. Mm -hmm. And we've really seen a shift that I think is permanent that even the medium or small retailer can or will use fulfillment. Yeah, I think that's a really great point just about just the destination of the shipment. And we approach the holidays, one of the common messaging themes is order by this date in Mm -hmm. order to receive it by this date. Last year, and I think even true to this year, and just wanted to confirm with you, is that the the carriers are probably making that a bit earlier than before because of still the impact of the logistics behind the distribution centers, the regional, whether I think of always the weather patterns that are potential to come at the holiday season. I look at just the impact that the wildfires are having on the West Coast right now in North Pacific. But overall, what benefit does a 3PL bring, right? You talked about being closer to the one to two day, but is there any other benefits besides the proximity? What else does that give, right? The peace of mind that you mentioned of it will arrive on time is critical. Are there other benefits to it? Sure. I think as a business owner, one has to look at what do they know, what, you know, what's their core competency. It's taking care of their consumer and knowing their product probably more than you know, the shipping and logistics mm-hmm. experience. And that's one, focus on your core competency. That's one benefit. 
I think the number two is these are folks that know what they're doing. They're more professional when it mm -hmm. comes to the pick, pack, and ship experience. Mm -hmm. That's number two. Number three is to help you get into new modes or selling channels. So for example, if you're in health and beauty, getting into subscription boxes, mm -hmm. very big deal. Clothing now too. The number of steps that's involved in a subscription box is, is fairly breathtaking between all the pick, pack, and ship type of elements to it. And the potential for mistakes is really high. Mm -hmm. Being able to utilize a third party that can do that very professionally with a much lower likely error rate that you could have then becomes something that definitely warrants investigation. I love how you broke that down. I think the subscription model is one I'm going to touch on just briefly here because I just went through that experience with a men's product, health and beauty. I'll, I'll put myself into that category. I have a, a face for radio, as they like to say, or a face for podcasting. And overall, Ors and Alps, which is also a local Chicago-based uh, company from my understanding of where they started and everything, offered a subscription model. And it was great because I love their products. They actually have been treating me better than some of the big name ones that I used to use. And their subscription process, they hit the communication just right for me. Because not only did I order once from them, they then asked me if I wanted to do a subscription and they didn't be too pushy. And I, a lot of retailers are going to subscription models, which is great because you get that ongoing recurring revenue from every order. And I looked at that and I go, okay, well, well, maybe they put a few other recommended products and then, well, maybe I should try that. So I tried a few others and they let me actually per product choose a subscription pace cadence so that I wasn't replacing all of it at once. I was replacing what was needed based on the usage of the amount of time it typically takes. And I can change any one of that at any time. And that's huge to me. And another one, a protein powder drink that I use, they actually sent me an email prior to the subscription being fulfilled in the, the shipment order sent out. And they let me choose if I want to delay that by a certain number of weeks. So if I haven't been on track with my summer weight loss plans, which turned into weight gain plans, overall, that allowed me to say, hey, you know what? I need to delay this order by two weeks or four weeks, depending on how much I'd already used. And it was a really great communication structure before they went and they shipped something out again. And they also know when to have inventory because of people being engaged with them. And so I think that that subscription packaging process is so interesting of the choices that you have as an organization for which products go at what time. But if you can start to bundle certain ones because the consumer is able to tell you what they want, when they want it, it actually should be helping them save in their costs of shipping potentially in terms of not individual boxes for everything having to go out. For sure, for sure, absolutely. And I think the personalization aspects that you mentioned will become more and more important. I get a monthly subscription from the, the largest health and beauty subscription box company. You can figure out who it is, but they send me hair care products. I'll let you think about that. Take all the time you need. I don't have much hair. Um, and so, you know, I think about how wasteful that is. And frankly, it's a little almost insulting mm -hmm. um, because it's like you, you actually don't know me at all if you send me hair care products. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a very large, well-known subscription box company, the largest one that's out there. And so I think about that and the lack of personalization. I like some of the stuff I receive. I use them. But something like hair care is actually very useless on me. It's a waste. Took up space in my bathroom cabinet and just didn't help me. So I think there is something to be said about 
the visibility to inventory, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. and knowing based on me as a consumer, what my demand is and what I'm going to demand mm -hmm. um, and being able to satisfy that. And I think that's something we're really going to see over time is consumer preferences matched with inventory visibility. And, mm -hmm. and the marriage of those two, maybe AI will get involved uh, yeah. to some degree. The marriage of those two is actually what I think will be the big trend in e-commerce moving forward or one of the mm -hmm. big trends. Absolutely. Let's shift over to free shipping, a topic that I know around the holidays, everyone expects free shipping as a consumer, but not every retailer seems to offer or a lot of the just discussions that I've had with different retailers that uh, we support is that a lot of consumers are expecting free shipping indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts surrounding that? Well, I'd say free shipping ain't free, um, mm -hmm. to put it colloquially. <laughs> if you're a retailer, you must bake in some degree of shipping costs um, into your product price. Surfacing the actual shipping costs is, is a real friction point. So whether it's a hybrid of a flat shipping fee, a threshold, free shipping, you do have to factor in some degree of, of shipping into you know, your points for sale mm -hmm. uh, on any product that you surface out there on inventory. That's one. And I would say number two to the earlier point that you raised him is that consumers do expect now to pay some degree of shipping and especially for expedited shipping for years, expedited shipping in a checkout offering, offering a faster option. Yeah. People rarely took advantage of it, but now we're starting to see people do that. And, and, and look, it's, it's like any other pricing strategy. I could see a product that sells for $40 and has a $10 shipping fee, and I'm less likely to buy it than the one that's $50 in free shipping. Mm -hmm. Same difference, but it's a psychological phenomenon that we think that we're getting more for our money, even though it's quite literally the same, or even less, meaning product price is 40 Shipping fee was seven ninety five. I would have saved two dollars, but I'm more likely to do the one that is fifty dollars and free shipping mm -hmm. as a result. So you do have to bake in some degree of that into your product price uh, for sale, and that's a hard thing to do when you're when you're in a competitive environment. Now, if you're selling on marketplaces, almost all of them do require some degree of free shipping or mm -hmm. or, or something like that. Uh, whereas versus your direct channel uh, of your own website and selling channel that you may be able to experiment just a little bit. Um, but definitely if you're selling on marketplaces as a brand, yeah, it's it's an expectation. It's expectation, yeah. yeah. So, Chris, tell me just some tips that we could share with retailers about just shipping best practices. And uh, we've talked through several different areas today with the experience, the messaging. What's maybe some that we haven't touched on? I think we haven't really touched on returns. Okay. And returns are, are ugly. There's mm -hmm. no way to sugarcoat it. But you can't wait until the holiday season or even the fall to come up with your return strategy. If you already haven't and we're in August, you're, you're, you may be too late. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't started what your returns policies and windows are going to be, you must start that now. Uh, and, and an additional point to that... Um, you know, it was funny, you, you mentioned our research. So last year we had found out from research, people started their holiday shipping or holiday buying rather um, as of July, August. 
And and this came out, research came out in September, and I happened to tell my wife, hey, you know, this is funny. People are shopping for the holidays as of, you know, August. Like, mm-hmm. that's so weird. And she said, well, yeah, I've already gotten all mine done. Yeah. Um, And so uh, what I would say is that consumers are um, buying much earlier, so the pendulum needs to swing the other way on then if I'm buying as soon as July or August and I don't give that until December, then what's the acceptable return window Window, to that? So it's a swinging pendulum um, when it comes to returns. That's one. Number two, free returns is something that um, a lot of retailers, especially in apparel, have long resisted and they want to add friction to the process. But it, it really does become pretty much the main thing that consumers look at now um, when it comes to policy is, oh, if I have to return it, what's what's the deal? Yeah. Um, but what's interesting that we've seen as a trend is for years, printing out a return label from home and returning from home, fr- frankly, wasn't wasn't that popular. Um, you, you'd p- see people print the label, maybe find a box, but then not take that final step to go and drop it off. Oh, mm-hmm. oh okay, maybe that's actually just me. Oh no, um, I'm in that same boat. <laughs> what, what is what is your trunk look like right now, Tim? Uh, my 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 trunk fortunately only has golf clubs right now because mm-hmm. I usually will print the slip and hand it to my wife now, who I know is the responsible one in the relationship to actually get that done. Otherwise, I usually miss the return window or I drop it off uh, mistakenly at the wrong carrier. And that's another problem. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's one of those that, again, it ends up then it almost ends. I don't return it because it's too much of a hassle at that point. Ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, my my trunk is a little bit like saying the Christmas carol. I have mm. ghosts of Christmas past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I use that in a pluralistic term mm-hmm. of uh, multiple Christmas because I have sweaters <laughs> from various years that are in my trunk. But that raises a point, though, on returns. A couple things. Number one, the friction point that we mentioned. Now, with COVID, people were a little more likely to do that. But for the retailer, that can actually be very dangerous because if a consumer with current policies on dimensional weight, apparel typically is very light, Mm -hmm. um, very small. But if you put it in a big box, you're going to get dimensional weight, meaning... It doesn't correspond to the actual weight of the package. It corresponds to the dimensions of the box. So that box, even though that item was just a few ounces, could end up being eight pounds, Mm -hmm. dimensional weight. So for you, if you offer free returns, which I hope you do if you're listening, the fact is you also have to engineer good behavior, sending them the label and either giving them instructions on the right packaging that you do or, frankly, ditch poly bags. Mm, if yes. anyone's listening here and they use poly bags, I really encourage you to ditch them, not just from the sustainability aspect, but if, if, if you're anything like me in receiving apparel, I'm like the Incredible Hulk in that <laughs> I just open it um, and I've ripped it apart. Hopefully didn't rip the shirt or whatever mm-hmm. was inside it apart or with my scissors, which mm-hmm. I've been known to do. Yes. Um, but the idea there is if it doesn't fit or it doesn't work, returning that because of the poly bag becomes really hard. However, if you invested just a little bit more on a box, some sort of garment box that somebody could take that shirt and say, oh, I didn't like it. I'm just returning it. I'm putting a label on top. That becomes a lot easier and a lot better of an experience to try to get that right behavior. 
so definitely I would say returns is something that folks listening really need to pay attention to not just what their policies are and the friction in the process and the cost or free returns, but in trying to enable the right behaviors, particularly when it comes to packaging, to re- reduce your spend and increase the customer experience. Absolutely. And, and yeah. let me just second you on that polybag thing. My third son, I've got four boys. So my third one, who's five now. Your poor wife. He, uh, yes, she is uh, a godsend of supporting five children in the home, let's just say. Uh, <laughs> and he has always loved seeing the mailman or, or the delivery driver bring a box up. So his job now has been to bring the package in. Well, the hard part was my wife let it start opening the packages. He was like Edward Scissors hands. Those safety scissors, let me tell you, they can cut those poly bags and they can cut whatever's inside of them too. And we've had a few incidents where some products had to be returned for damage or we just chose to reorder as well. But overall, it is just one of those things, again, sustainability. I think that's also huge of just the boxes also recycling or reusing the same box for shipping back because the poly bags just do not suffice for Mm -hmm. what those needs are overall appreciate the tips there as we look at just kind of wrapping up overall i think as we talk through today for our listeners there's definitely a need for clear communication there's a need for really well set expectations of what's happening both on an inventory side but also once a shipment does happen the emails and communication that says hey your order has shipped but then really it was the they printed the label off at the retailer (laughs) The, the distribution center, that's different than the ability for you to know that, it, hey, yeah, it actually is out the door. The maps, the live tracking, the one thing that I would just say there that annoys me as a consumer is some of the bigger carriers like to send out a, hey, live track your order. I get all excited when I have a big ticket item that I've purchased for myself. And I go and I watch that little truck on the map go around and around. It's like, they're in your area. And I'm like, well, I've learned the pattern that they drive. And the minute I get that message, four-hour window until I actually get my package. Mm -hmm. The first few experiences, I kept refreshing, refreshing, just clicking that button and saying, when is it going to be here? I almost wanted to go track down the truck because it was on our block, but then it keeps doing its specific turning direction that all of them like to use from a logistics perspective to optimize their gas and everything. Data, uh, AI at its best for all of us. But overall, the communication is critical. Offering the shipping options and ensuring that You leave the selection for appropriate instances and not necessarily having to guarantee delivery, but knowing and setting the right expectation for products that are needing to be signed for. There's a lot of them out there, like you mentioned with your nephew's birthday and his gift, knowing that someone's going to be around because you do need that person of age there to sign for it. And then lastly, just the impact that last year had on us and and continuing into this year, online e-commerce shopping was already here to stay, but is still that much more prevalent in everyone's day-to-day lives. And shipping is what gets the product ultimately to the destination that you're sending it to. How do you ensure that you as an organization are doing the best for your customers in the way that you're engaging and communicating through all of that? Any final words of wisdom from yourself? You know, the only uh, final words of wisdom that I would say is just echoing the points that you raised more things change, more things stay the same. The cliche of communication, communication, communication becomes really important, but also the idea of how empathetic are you to your customer? And can you marry those concepts with technology? You know, we mentioned earlier about proactive notifications and visibility inside the cart and in the listing, but 
think about it this way. What are the reasons if someone's been regularly purchasing from you over an interval of time and they suddenly don't, what are probably the reasons? Mm -hmm. Well, is it based on the product? Yeah, maybe in some cases, but if they ordered from you for a long, solid interval of time, most likely it's not the product. Is it a damage or something like that? Maybe. Or is it something to do with the shipping and delivery experience not meeting the need? And so do you have the visibility if somebody orders from you regularly every week, two weeks, six weeks, whatever that may be, and then suddenly it's a drop off of, of no, or they've canceled. Do you have the visibility to say, wait, can we analyze what happened there? Somebody had a drop off. What did the delivery experience look like? So if you have the tools that give you that visibility and the, that type of experience, I'll say probably eight times out of 10, it had something to do with the shipping and delivery experience, either didn't receive on time or damage or just something that went wrong that somebody is then not feeling it to to order from you again. So if you give it that visibility and, and dig in and even call up some of your customers to find that out, I think you'll be surprised by how often this comes up. Great parting words of wisdom right there is also getting that feedback from your customers about their expectations directly for your products or your services and what's being sent out. Chris, thank you so much for the conversation today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to future conversations as well and uh, having you back on the show. Maybe after the holiday season as we look at where returns are at and some of the changes that we know are coming in that area of the industry. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening and tuning into the future by listening to Lessons for Tomorrow podcast today. For more information about the topics discussed and also a link to the research study mentioned, check out the description notes for this episode. And if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and or follow this podcast wherever you listen and stay up to date with us with new episodes as they are released. While you're at it, if you can give us a rating and share this podcast with others, help them prepare for the future by sharing with them today. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius. And I look forward to the next lesson.